We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Command Center podcast, home of the biggest edge in Dynasty fantasy football. My name is Travis May, and I'm actually flying solo for this show, but don't tune out just yet, because I think you're going to love this week's topic. You ever wonder what the NFL Combine actually means for our favorite incoming rookies? Like, what's what's a good score? <laughs> what's a good time? You know, what's a good measure for a wide receiver? or running back, and the three cone, the, the vertical jump, broad jump, 40, all, all that. And what happens when a player tests as an elite athlete? Do they see draft capital? Do they not? How does that really come into play? And that's what I'll be diving into today. And hopefully, as the narratives begin to form with all these measurables... Uh- Geico presents Yikes! Another voicemail from your roommate. Sup, roomie? Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. It's completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home? Later. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Uh, This podcast can be something you come back to just to make sure you can sift through all the noise and bullcrapping analysts over the next few months as we approach the NFL draft. And as always, if you're new to the Dynasty Command Center family of awesome things, you should check out DynastyCommandCenter.com to find out more about all the fun stuff we're doing with our premium Slack, tons of chats just to be had there, great team strategy analysis and trades and things like that that we dive into with and for you guys. Some fantasy football roster analytics, a rookie guide series that we'll be having the second edition out here for soon. And then, of course, 
fun stuff on best ball leagues, and much more. This week, since there's no co-host, you guys and gals don't have to hear some attempt at witty banter before we hop into tonight's topic, uh, unless you count that last sentence there. But instead of the wind- <laughs> instead of the witty banter, I'd just like to take one second to thank you, the listener. This podcast is off to a fast start, fantastic start, with weekly listens and downloads, and I really appreciate that. I've had tons of fun and, and really meaningful conversations with many of you, so I just wanted to say thank you for that. I love living this dynasty life with you all. Before I hop into NFL Combine fun stuff, just a quick word from our fantastic sponsor, the FFPC. Our friends at the FFPC are the world's largest dynasty league commissioner, and they have dozens of orphan dynasty leagues or teams for sale right now, with leagues starting as low as $77 all the way up to $2,500 entry fee per team. Many of those teams are in great shape ready to compete right away, and then some might need a little bit of work and are discounted appropriately. And if you're, you know, a true diehard and you're ready to draft right now, the FFPC Best Ball Leagues are already drafting for the 2019 season, starting at just a $35 entry fee. You can go to myffpc.com, that's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football, and all new subscribers to the Dynasty Command Center Slack, I mentioned that earlier, you also get a $30 league credit there. So you can apply that to any of those leagues that I mentioned that, uh, you know, league fees of $77 or higher, basically free 30 bucks. Go play, have some fun. But it's time that we just jump into some talk on the combine. I don't know when you're listening to this. Maybe the combine's about to start with the measurables. The running back 40s are about to come into play. Maybe it's later on after the combine and there's a billion podcasts you're just flying through trying to just take in as much information as possible. But I want to help you do that. Uh, so uh, get a pen and paper out or uh, make a note on your phone, uh, hopefully not f- as you're driving though. But one quick note for context, uh, when you hear me talk about the percentile at which a player tests or fits into, I'm, I'm basing that off of uh, combine data from basically 2000 to 2018 and that all the information is care of uh, sports-reference.com. Uh, one of the base, you know, just basic best references for college football stats. All things college football can definitely find a bunch of helpful information there. And as of this recording, just so you know, when we're record, I'm recording this, uh, we already have weights and hand sizes in for running backs, but we don't have all the information on wide receivers. We'll get that here soon. So a lot of those answers for basics on the measurables for wide receivers and running backs will be had very soon, but we'll dive into what they mean on this week's episode. So there were 28 running backs invited to the combine this year, and that's pretty close to normal, but maybe just a hair below average for a typical typical NFL draft class. And I was actually surprised to really see that many invited, considering how, I don't know, we, we, we basically assumed that this class is a little bit weaker. And I, I'm kind of in the camp to, to say that there's it's weaker, at least in the sense we don't have a Saquon Barkley in this class. There's not that that slam dunk top five NFL draft pick. In fact, it, you know, it may be one of those classes where we don't see a running back taken till the end of round one or thereabouts. So, you know, having 28 running backs invited to the combine, that's pretty good for a class of this type. But I won't knock them too much because I, I still want to actually get excited about them. But let's just talk about the average height and weight uh, that we do know 
uh, for the running back class this year and how that fits fits into what we've seen for historical averages. Uh, a lot of people I've heard just already this offseason kind of talk about how small uh, this draft class is for the running backs. But uh, that's not necessarily true when you look at their average this year in, in this class uh, compared to historical averages. You're looking at maybe a difference of like a half a pound or so in terms of average weight uh, for the classes that have been coming in over the past 20 years or so. And really less than an inch in height, probably not even a half inch difference in height. Uh, you know, the average class, uh, you know, you're looking at running backs that are five, ten and a half, uh, around 215 pounds. That's that's pretty typical for a class average. This year, it's more like five, ten and a quarter, five, ten, three tenths, somewhere in there, and uh, 213 pounds, so, and, and really almost 214 pounds. So it's really in, in terms of average and where this class fits fits in historically, it's about on par. I think where we uh, tend to think that it's a smaller class is some of the more trendy names and, and guys that we would like to get excited about this year aren't the six foot one, two hundred twenty five pound bruiser that's also athletic. I mean, you know, you've got guys like Trayvon Williams, who's, you know, 5'8 ish, 206 pounds, not exactly feature back size. You've you got, you know, even uh, Daryl Henderson, who I'm a fan of, you know, 5'8 ish, 208 pounds. Uh, you know, you have Miles Gaskin. Some people really like him. He's, you know, 5'9, 205. You know, you've got a bunch of guys in that range, even like Bryce Love. He's kind of dropped off because of the injury concerns and all that. He's a little bit smaller 5'9", 200, and then even like Devin Motor Singletary, a lot of people wanted him to be a little bit bigger. He actually is under 5'8", you know, more like 5'7", and 203 pounds. So when you look at those smaller guys that a lot of people wanted to get excited about, um, it's it's kind of, uh, I don't know if that's concerning necessarily. It's just not like what we like to paint as the typical feature back for fantasy football purposes. I, I have seen some people call this class, you know, chock full of, you know, guys that might be a one B like a, a great passing down smaller guy who can complement an early down back. And I think that's, that's absolutely true. I think there's a lot of guys that fit that mold, but there's definitely some players that aren't exactly small. They're just not a Leonard Fournette. They're not a Saquon Barkley. They're not Derrick Henry. So it's not that kind of class. It's not like chock full of huge dudes that are just going to be freak athletes. That's not really what we're going to be faced with this year, but that's okay. Hopefully we'll get a couple pleasant surprises. My money would be on, you know, Miles Sanders having a pretty good weekend and uh, maybe, you know, a couple other guys having good size adjusted weekends. Uh, even like James Williams for Washington State, he could test pretty well given how small he is. He's actually about 5'9", 5'10", 197, so he's going to get knocked for weight. But I'd be impre- I would imagine I'll be impressed by his combine uh, in terms of just raw numbers at the end of the weekend. But let's just talk about what's normal for running backs and uh, you know some recent hits or recent misses at the position and uh, you know what their combine looked like. We've already talked about height and weight, about 5'10", 215, that's pretty average. Um, you know, you get up to 6'1", 225, then you're looking at 75th percentile to 80th, 85th percentile, uh, that, that type range uh, when they're in that feature back type mold. And there's just a few guys that fit that, that type of bill this year, like, you know, Rodney Anderson, if he's actually healthy. Uh, I think uh, Josh Jacobs actually came in heavier than we thought, 5'10", 220, that's uh, kind of thicker 
build in that range. Even Cadre Allison for Pittsburgh, he's kind of bigger, 6'1", 228. A few guys in that range. So uh, we'll see how they test uh, and see if uh, they actually look like feature backs. But 40-yard dash uh, typically averages 4.56 once you get down below 4.5. Regardless of your size, that's a pretty good uh, pretty good 40 for running backs, obviously. And I, I don't want to, as some of you guys already know some of these measurables, uh, the great thing about football fan these days is we're all more educated than ever because there's a bunch of information out there. But I just want to start with the averages and then expand from there. So the 40-yard dash, that's the one everyone gets pumped about. Uh, but really, people probably freak out too much when someone runs a 4.56 or a 4.57 or 4.58, and you're like, that doesn't sound fast, because uh, so-and-so ran a 4.42, and then so-and-so ran a 4.45, but really, you know, if somebody is over 215 pounds, and they're running a 4.56, I'm not too worried about it, and, and really, I'm almost more concerned about the 10-yard split in the NFL than I am the 40-yard dash, I mean, you look at somebody like Alvin Kamara, just uh, from a couple years ago, he actually ran a 4.56, in the 40, but the rest of his profile, as it, I think even his agility drills, avert, all, all, everything else was above average. So regardless of him having a quote-unquote average 40, and when you look at how he plays on the field and how his quickness and burst translates, you can see that in other aspects of his physical profile. And that's why it's not super important to just look at the 40-yard dash. In fact, there's certainly some people that don't believe that there's much importance to the 40 uh, at all when analyzing players um, just overall, just saying that there's really any stickiness to that, that proving that they're going to hit in, in any way uh, by itself. And I won't go into to that conversation. That's probably uh, something uh, for another day, but let's move on from the 40 yard dash vertical, about 34 and a half inches, pretty typical uh, that you want to see there for running backs. Uh, anything below 30 is kind of a major red flag. Uh, there are exceptions that can find relevance, like Alex Collins had, I believe, a 28 or so. Uh, Dalvin Cook, who we'll get to here shortly, uh, he had a pretty disappointing vert, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, bench press, I've never really dug in too much there, and especially for wide receivers. They didn't even used to do it, uh, but it's still it's good to see players that uh, have strength. And 19 reps is about normal, 19-20 reps. You know, every once in a while, you'll see a Samaji P. Ryan who comes in and puts up 30-plus, but... You know, they're, it's pretty gathered somewhere around 20 reps. If you want to get excited about players who are strong, look for 25 plus, something like that. Broad jump, uh, anywhere around 10 feet, um, but just under 10 feet is pretty average. Uh, if you get above 10 feet, you know, I don't know how they'll actually list it on NFL.com and all those websites elsewhere, but a lot of times they just put it like 120 inches or 125 inches. But uh, if you, you know, if you see anybody like 10, 6 plus, that's really intriguing to me, especially that just shows elite burst. I mean, then that's really what you're looking for with the vert and the broad. You just want to see somebody that can burst has a quick, fast step. That's that's how that's supposed to translate. Uh, but moving on to the agility type drills, if you're not familiar with normal times there either. Uh, three cone drills, which essentially is exactly what it sounds like. It's three cones kind of in an L shape. And they have to do a little loop-de-loop and get back to where they started. Uh, normal time is just over 7 seconds, 7.06, uh, spanning from 2000, again, from 2002 to 2018. That's pretty normal. 7.06, 7.06, 7.06, 7.06, 7.06, 7.06, 7.06, 7.06, 7.06, 7.06, 7.06, 7.06, 7.06, 7.06, 7.06, 7.06,
seconds. And then uh, these 20 shuttle, which is kind of a funny little drill if you've ever, if you've never seen it run. You know, you start in the center, these uh, three, I don't know, it's not really three cones. It's kind of like you're in this area, you can't go outside the area, but you have to, like, you know, start in the middle, touch one side, go across the whole thing, touch the far left side, and then come back across the cones. It's, it's funny to kind of watch people do it really fast. And some people can do it really, really quick and so fast that the average time is only 4.26 seconds in the 20 shuttle. Again, just those two or the, the, the three cone and the shuttle, primarily your agility drills. You're looking at that. Anytime you see somebody get under seven seconds, I'm interested R- really under 6.9. I'm super interested for the three cone and the shuttle. If you get under four seconds, especially that's pretty interesting. Even like 4.1, that's not too bad. A lot of people like to see him get under four just because we as humans like to see a difference in that first digit just to have some greater meaning. But really anything under 4.1, I'm really starting to get interested in that drill in isolation. But again, just looking at the overall physical profile, we want to see somebody that kind of hits some thresholds, doesn't majorly miss in any one way. But uh, I just cre- just created a uh, database essentially uh, here recently, looking at uh, historical data and where the you know the last 541 running backs finished. Uh, that's all the running backs that were invited to the combine from 20 well 2000 to 2018, uh, where they finished in terms of percentile in all of their drills, and uh, basically took an average of how they finished in all their drills, excluding the height and weight because I didn't want to give favor to the heavier guys. Uh, but you know how the percentage, the percentile that they finished in for 40 yard dash, vertical bench press, broad jump, three cone shuttle, all those. And just, just see who averaged the highest percentile finish across all the drills that they participated in. Uh, and then just c- kind of try to glean some information from that. And one interesting fact that I pulled from that information in that search and creating that database is that I found that. um, if, if you are a running back and you compete in at least two combine activities uh, in between 2000 and 2018, uh, and you test on average on those activities at, at least at the 80, 80th percentile or better, then you've been drafted inside day two 86% of the time. I'll say that again. So if you compete in more than one combine activity and you test on average at the 80th percentile or better, then uh, since 2000, you've been drafted inside day two, which is round one, round two, round three, 86% of the time. And so I'll, I'll just talk about a couple of players, a few players that have kind of been hits in that range. Like you've got Jarrett McKinnon, obviously missed some time, hasn't had a perfect career, but he's been kind of a hit and seen his dynasty average draft position kind of peak, a very valuable asset. Then you've got uh, Chris Johnson, obviously his 40 helped thrust him into that as he was a 4.24 at the time, 100th percentile for the 40-yard dash. You got Tevin Coleman, Jonathan Stewart, Donald Brown, several other guys. But there's also some bad examples that kind of fit in that criteria of guys that saw draft capital, but obviously uh, just kind of completely missed once they actually made it to the pros. You got Kristen Michael. uh, You got Bishop Sankey. Whoops. You got uh, Trey Mason, Amir Abdullah. Kevin Jones, again, for the, the Lions. The Lions are just really bad at drafting running backs, by the way. Have been for a long time, except for on Johnson. But uh, that's for an, another conversation, another, another day. But, but the point is, there, there's huge evidence that points to the fact that NFL 
decision makers love running backs, obviously, that test out as elite athletes. I mean, if 86% of the time you're testing as an elite athlete and you're going inside the first 96 picks in the NFL draft, that's pretty, or about 100, depends on compensatory picks. But early in the draft, that's, you know, pretty, shows shows pretty positive reviews uh, for those that test well in the combine. You can kind of insert yourself into a conversation you weren't in just we in just weeks prior or just days prior in, in many cases. But what happens if you don't test well? I think that's that's a question a lot of people ask all the time. Like, what happens if you know you don't you know you don't have the per- perfect physical profile? Can you still hit? And so I looked at a few recent guys who uh, had less than optimal uh, combines and just uh, tried to see. Well, at least as far as dynasty value goes, and maybe some short-term production windows goes, uh, let's just take a look at how they translated. Some guys with, with draft capital, some guys that did not. First off, without draft capital, uh, let's look at a guy just here recently, John Kelly, Tennessee running back. You know, drafted in the sixth round because he kind of had a less than stellar uh, combine, and even when he had his pro day, didn't have a good 40-yard dash time. Just a, a, a disappointment there. Dropped to the sixth round, and now he's a handcuff to Gurley, and now he's probably not going to do anything ever. That's a recent example of somebody who didn't get the draft capital because he had a poor combine, and, and that's going to be a, the majority of the guys that don't have a good combine. They're, they're just going to disappear. But sometimes, if you already had the reputation, you already had the pedigree, uh, you already had the expectation to go early, like maybe a Dalvin Cook, you can show up to the combine completely bomb and still somehow make it. Uh, he was probably a first-round running back uh, until he had the horrible combine that he did. He had the 4.49 40-yard dash, which was good, not great for his size. Uh, but then he tested at the 8th percentile in the vertical jump with the 30.5. He tested at the uh, 34th percentile for broad jump with uh Eh, you know, it was, I think it was 116 inches, about uh, 10, nine foot eight ish, and then he had 13th percentile in the three cone and fifth percentile in the shuttle, uh, 4.53 seconds in the shuttle, which is basically on par with what you should expect from a really slow fullback. So I don't really know what happened to Dalvin Cook at the NFL Combine, but he's somebody who retained some level of draft capital. And then it had, you know, fits of productive windows and is still a valuable asset in Dynasty Leagues, even though he had the combine mishap, I guess I would say. And that happens. I mean, you, you have guys like that where they don't have perfect combine and they still get the draft capital. But there's not a huge percentage of players that, that pan out and have incredibly long careers that do so. Like even guys like Leonard Fournette, who... You know, he had a nice size adjusted 40, like 4.51 seconds at 240 pounds is, is impressive. But then he it's almost like the rest of his combine. He he attempted to do the vertical jump and put up a, two, a second percentile a jump of like I think it was 28, 28.5 inches. Uh, and then he was just like, oh, nope, I'm going to kill my stock here if I keep going. And then he just stopped. And that was probably wise because players that that show a completely weak profile across the board everywhere typically do to do drop their draft capital. Uh, and, and I haven't really measured this completely, but in the small sample that I've looked at at least by half a round, if not more than a round in many cases uh, that their draft capital actually drops. Uh, and then you got another example, really in that same kind of vein, you've got Darius Geis uh, who ran a four, four, nine. That's great. Uh, and he had the size you want to see. 
But then again, he kind of killed himself in the vert, 14th percentile, and then uh, 13th percentile of the bench, and then he kind of called it a day. So he, on average, he was like, and the things that he did compete in, it was an, an average of 32nd percentile performances. We'll see what happens with Darius Geis. He still was drafted in the second round, but he was like the seventh running back taken when he was hyped up to be perhaps the second running back taken in a really good draft class. Uh, even examples like a little bit longer ago, you look at guys like Mark Ingram, he still got draft capital. He, he was still first round pick even after running a 4.6240 at uh, just 215 pounds. That's not good. I mean, like other guys that have done something similar are Kareem Hunt. Uh, but uh, there's, and really even like his shuttle was like first percentile, like really bad. So it's, you know, there are exceptions to the rule, but if you look at guys that are in that conversation, in that kind of range, you're looking at guys that you've just never heard of. Like guys that never did anything, were never drafted. If you look at the draft capital average in that range, you're looking at, Basically, just straight up day three picks or undrafted free agents that are surrounding these players that I'm talking about. So basically, in conclusion, it's kind of important as a running back to have a good combine performance, regardless of your draft capital expectations. But hopefully that that allows you to sift through and understand what the expected range for running backs are a little bit there. But on to the wide receiver position, there were actually 48 wide receivers invited to the combine this year, which is a bit above average but nothing like the 58 from just a couple years ago. Considering how hyped up this wide receiver class was, I'm a little bit disappointed that there weren't more. I think there were actually probably at least a half dozen kind of snubs that that missed out on the combine this year. But this crew is going to be a very tall, very large crew. Uh, Team Big Wide Receiver is back uh, with this bunch. So hopefully they test well and we see some at least good size adjusted numbers but uh, similarly, I'm just going to break down a little bit faster here uh, the wide receiver measurables that are normal expected ranges here. I mean, typically, obviously, you, you may already know this. Not crazy to say that the average wide receiver is in between six foot and six one, around 200 pounds, and runs about a four five. Uh, if, uh, we kind of assume wide receivers automatically run, you know, a four four. That is not the case. Uh, they only test about five one hundredths of a second faster on average than your average running back. So the the disparity there is not uh, as great as I think is just assumed by most people. But they do, however, tend to kill the running backs in the uh, vertical jump, and they tend to kill them in the uh, the cone and the shuttle. The vertical jump, they average about an inch or inch and a half more, um, 35, 36, pretty average, pretty normal there. Uh, they they definitely lose in the bench press. And if you look back at like 2006, 2005, nobody did the bench press as a wide receiver. Uh, but that's become more popular in today's day and age thanks to the DK Metcalfs of the world that want to show off how manly they are and how just freakishly athletic they are. But, uh, you know, the, the, the broad jump is about exactly 10 feet for average. Uh, but there are a lot of guys that you'll see get up above 130 inches uh, guys that'll be around 11 feet, and those are your really impressive freak athletes. And then the the cone, the average is actually under seven seconds. It's like six six point nine seven seconds. So if if you're seeing your guy get under seven seconds, that doesn't really mean much uh, for wide receivers. If they break six nine, for sure, I'm interested. If they break six eight, I'm really interested. That's a pretty impressive feat and range of expectations there. Uh, the 
Shuttle is still only about 4.2-ish, just barely beats running backs, but on average. So if you get under four, again, for wide receivers, that's pretty interesting. A lot of guys that you would think would be super agile, uh, even some slot guys might actually test out not what you'd expect. And one or the other with the cone and the shuttle. And I'm not super worried about that. I I think of recent guys like uh, Juju Smith-Schuster or uh, Sterling Shepard who didn't have uh, perfect agility scores given what their expected roles were going to be, which is essentially initially like a a competent slot that can slide outside. Uh, But it's not a, a killer if you look at the top of uh, physical, I guess, athletics, like spark scores, I guess you could just shorthand call it that. But uh, let, I just want to take a second and look at what's important there for wide receivers. And long story short, there's not much that we found that's super sticky for wide receivers that are invited to the combine and actually, you know, perform really well. And if you, you know, use the same metric, just as I did for running backs, you know, wide receivers that test on average at the 80th percentile and competed in at least you know, two of the drills or activities. It shows to be about half as important as projecting day one, day two draft capital as it is for running backs. Uh, You see a lot more guys up near the top of these performers that are actually, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks, even though they had a pretty good combine. The one thing that I I did notice uh, when looking at my database is not surprising. If you run a sub four, uh, sub four, four, 40, uh, you're, you're basically guaranteed draft capital of some kind. If you run a sub four, four, it's, uh, you got to scroll pretty far down the list to find somebody who wasn't at least drafted. There may be like one exception in the top 30, 40, 40s, <laughs> somewhere in that range uh, of, uh, 40 yard dashes. Uh, but again, the average there's 4.5. So if you're breaking four, four, you're, you're, getting pretty high up there breaking four four a four four is like 86th percentile so you're pretty far up there and average is 4.5 it's pretty clustered there in between four four and four six for wide receivers don't get too disappointed if your favorite wide receiver doesn't break four four I mean you got guys like Odell Beckham Jr. at four four two I think think they're going to be fine but there are tons of guys that have balanced combine profiles that looked like the real deal and they turn out to be to be bus, and that's just the reality of it. But I, I, I would look for the really elite forty guys, the guys that are in the four three range, uh, somewhere around yeah four three to four three five, something like that. You got tons of hits, especially guys that just run the forty and don't even want to show off their any other part of their game, like Santana Moss, like he's a four three ish guy. Chris Chambers, T Y Hilton, Calvin Johnson, Santonio Holmes, even Ted Ginn had a 4.38-ish, and you know he's been had an up-and-down career, but he's been productive for quite some time. And so those guys that do break 4-4, they, they have a, um, a decent, I guess decent hit rate. I guess that's being nice. There are definitely some misses. And I know we've kind of all soured on fast guys, thanks to John Ross and his 4-2-2 not working out for us. But realistically, if somebody does surprise and it hangs around 4-3, you got to give them the time of day. Obviously, you might have a DJ Chark on your hands, uh, and he might get draft capital and then do nothing, but you at least got to pay attention and recognize that he's probably going to be drafted pretty highly. But there are tons of Jeff Janice's, Ricardo Lewis's, DJ Chark's, Speedy Noyle, which, which uh, I'll be impressed if half of you know who that is, uh, Sammy Coates, Chris Conley, Justin Hunter, bunch of the names, the list of names goes on and on and on of guys that disappointed that had great combines and just didn't translate. 
And that's just the reality of it. But you do have on the flip side some players like uh, Julio Jones, who had a 4.34 40. 95th percentile, by the way. 38.5-inch vertical, 84th percentile right there. He had 135 inches, you know, over 11 feet, 99th percentile in the broad jump, which is just insane. Like a 6.6-something, three-cone, which is 93rd percentile. If you get down to like 6.7 in the the three-cone, you're looking at like 90th percentile for wide receivers, looking at some elite-level agility there. He didn't do as well at the shuttle, but uh, if you just kill it in one of those, I'm really interested to see how that translates to uh, your film, especially if you're a bigger guy and can still be agile. That's super impressive. So you'll see guys like the Julio Jones uh, or even like um, you know, like Emmanuel Sanders like had a pretty good combine uh, when he actually came out. Uh, you got, uh, I mean, he had the 4-4, like I said, 86th percentile there uh, with his, his 40. He had a 39 and a half inch vertical which is, again, that's just off the charts uh, for wide receivers. That's like 90th percentile. And again, it had a 6.6 something in the three cone. I'm really interested for wide receivers. I'm really looking at your three cone quite a bit. 40 is great, but again, I'm looking at your 10-yard split. Vertical to share that burst. Broad jump helps too. But, uh, you know, guys like that, DJ Moore just a year ago, I mean, he had the 4.42, 40, which is, you know, 80th percentile ish uh 39 and a half inch vertical of, of course 90th percentile there 97th percentile in his broad jump I mean he was across the board a pretty impressive physical specimen at uh, about six feet 210 uh really even having a decent size adjusted speed there too so you, you got guys that have draft capital do hit in some capacity Brandon Cooks is another guy Odell Beckham Jr. And every once in a while, you'll you'll have a Pierre Garçon, you know, thrown in there like that that won't see the draft capital, uh, but you know he's got the the physical profile you want to see. And really, when you look at him just as an overall prospect, we probably should have seen that coming. But uh, try to find those guys that your average size that have a good forty, that have a good vert, have a a good basically the guys that hit a bunch of the thresholds. I, I don't want to see a guy. If you look down the list and really dig into the database of the last 19 years of data for combines, guys that really miss the threshold across the board, it's hard to translate to the next level. There are exceptions, you know, guys like Calvin Ridley that have lots of physical questions but hit some thresholds when you really break down the numbers. You know, I'm, I'm not worried about guys like that that get draft capital uh, as much. I know we've been ruined by Laquan Treadwell and Josh Doxson, you know, Corey Coleman all in the same class. You know, the the wide receivers, we've soured on them in general, but uh, essentially I'm just looking for thresholds uh, that I want to be interested in. Guys that finish above average at uh, their drills, especially three cones, that's that's pretty important. 40, not so much, but I'm looking at you if you have an elite level 40-yard time, like I mentioned. Really just, I don't want guys to miss a bunch of meaningful thresholds at any of these drills. And I, I do hope we see a high percentage of participation. We've seen lower numbers than ever in terms of players actually partic- participating in uh, drills. And I don't know why that's become a trend, especially running backs. They're afraid they're going to probably kill their draft stock. And for good reason, they've got a good agent and they know they can't get a good time. At the three cone or the shuttle, they will bypass. Um, and, you know, somebody might tell you it's not because they 
wouldn't be good at that drill. I'm telling you it's because they would not be good at that drill. That's why they're avoiding it. And there are exceptions where they might hurt themselves the day of, but we're seeing more than ever guys just pass if they know they're not going to ace a drill. And that's disappointing because uh, you don't get the full complete athletic picture, but hopefully we get good participation this year, uh, better than the past few years. But I hope uh, the numbers today, some of the breakdown helps you sift through the tidal wave of NFL combine reactions uh, that are about to uh, hit us right in the face over the next coming weeks. And really, I mean, we're already right in the middle of uh, kind of rookie draft and rookie analysis season. Uh, NFL Combine's here. Uh, next step's the draft, which is kind of kind of crazy. But the next edition of our rookie guide here at uh, the Dynasty Command Center is actually going to be out here very, very soon. It's going to be packed with all sorts of good stuff with wide receiver charting data, some combine analysis, of course, uh, mock drafts some rookie draft strategy. Uh, important player traits, kind of digging more into what I discussed in, to, today on this episode. But uh, you can pick your, your copy up of that rookie guide at DynastyCommandCenter.com for just $19.99. That gets you all three volumes, the pre-combine, post-combine, post-draft editions of that. Thanks again for listening. Uh, you can find me, again, I'm Travis May. You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. Uh, as always, love you guys, the listeners. Feel free to reach out to me if with any questions, if you want to have uh, even have some access to the, to the database that I mentioned on these measurables, I'd be glad to pass that along. But until next time, keep living that dynasty life. Right now at T-Mobile, get an awesome iPhone XR on us when you bring your family over and trade in your old device. Because whether you have mom, dad, or a friend on your mind, it's a gift so bold and brilliant, you'll want to keep it for yourself. And most importantly, it's on us in six vibrant colors. Plus, with unlimited everything from T-Mobile, the awesome iPhone XR will have everyone snapping, streaming, and sharing to their heart's content all year long. But don't wait. It's only for a limited time. So visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE and get iPhone XR on us. If congested, customers using more than 50 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds due to prioritization. Video at 480p via 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers plus tax. Qualifying trade-in, port-in, service, and finance agreement required. Contact us before canceling our credit stop and remaining balance due. 64 gigs, zero down, plus 31.25 per month for 24 months. Pre-credit price, 749.99, 0% APR. One offer per account. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz summer event, now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.